0: Okay. Welcome to Stallside Podcast. Hey, Pat. How are you doing today? I'm great, Peter. How are you today? Good, thanks. Uh, interesting show today.
1: Interesting show. You know, we thought we'd take a little bit more of a serious uh, side of this today, and and there's a, the mental health. Um, side of aspect of things hits veterinarians just as harder, harder than other industries. And there's a great organization that, that helps with that, and we brought them in today. Yeah,
0: we're going to talk to Dr. Melanie Goebbel from Not One More Vet. And that is an organization that uh, provides a listening post for uh, veterinarians uh, te- and their technical support staff who are having trouble um, coping
1: with the stresses of their careers. Yeah, because we know that suicide has become an epidemic in veterinary medicine, and they're doing everything they can to combat it. Great organization, so I wanted to support them. Bring this to light. So the question comes up, why did we want them on on this show? And I think to answer that, we'd we'd like our clients, we'd like veterinarians who are listening, to understand that there are risks and there are things that we can do to help veterinarians, mental health, and to, to help them be healthier people and professionals.
0: Yeah, I think everybody at, at all uh, all angles of the interaction uh, between veterinarians and clients will actually benefit from hearing this and appreciating that. Uh, yeah, it's a tough job being a veterinarian, and um, clients can actually help a lot by showing veterinarians some compassion, the same as they're
1: trying to show their animal. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll we'll have her on, and, and uh, if this this helps anybody, we we are are um, it was well worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. So uh,
0: coming up now, Dr. Melanie Goebel from Not One More Veterinarian.
1: Dr. Goebel, welcome to Stoolside. Hello, thank you. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for joining
0: us. Happy to be here. Yeah, so um, talking about a really important topic today, uh, something that I don't think the general public really realizes is an issue for veterinarians. And um, the floor is yours.
2: Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm Melanie Goble, and I'm coming from Not One More Vet, Inc., which is a 501c3 nonprofit here in the United States that has the goal of helping veterinary professionals around the world. Um, So not just here, but everywhere. Not just veterinarians, but also our technicians and our support staff, our assistants and uh, client services, representatives, kennel and stable staff. You know, we all run into these mental health issues and, we all need some support now and then, especially right now when the world is kind of on fire. We, not yeah. just physically, but, uh, you know, in general, COVID has made things much harder and uh, life was hard before that. And our goal is just to make everybody feel a little bit better and have a place to find some rest with other people that understand.
0: Tell us a bit about your background that led you to where you are now.
2: Oh, well, you know, from the veterinary side of things, I attended vet school at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and graduated in 2005. And, you know, my second week of vet school was September 11th. That was Mm -hmm. a pretty big hit for a lot of people. And uh, it kind of put my mental health issues in overdrive at that point. Um, As a child, the first time I considered suicide, I was in fourth grade. And I had a good childhood. I had a good family. uh, But my mental health was not there. I did not get any type of diagnosis until I was in high school when I was diagnosed with um, depression and anxiety, but didn't actually get any type of therapy or support until vet school after 9-11. And then, you know, things just kind of snowballed from there. And after I graduated, I was thrown into a less than ideal situation work-wise, and on my fourth day of work, uh, I was alone working in the ER and had someone come in and tell me that I should be dead (laughs) Um, because I didn't do what he thought I should have done for his patient who was stable and went home just fine. He said, you are not worth the air that you breathe. You should have never been given a license, and they should take it away. You should never be able to hurt anyone's pet and he was a human doctor. Uh, he was an orthopedic surgeon and just took out all of his frustrations on me. And I had nowhere to go. There was no one to support me. I had moved across the country for this job, so I didn't have family. I had very few friends in the area. I'd literally just moved there two weeks before, and yeah, I, I was alone. Uh, in 2014, uh, Dr. Nicole MacArthur decided to s- talk to some friends about how she was feeling um, with some anxiety and depressive thoughts and suicidal ideation uh, after the death of Dr. Sophia Yen. and she realized that she was not alone in the thoughts that she was having. So she started a very small Facebook group of about five or six friends, and two weeks later, I added was added into the group and. Um we had about a oh, 1,000 people in the group, 600 to a 1,000 people by then. And we became a place that we could really talk about what we were experiencing and what we were feeling. And we had somewhere to go when somebody gave us a bad review or said something straight to your face. And Then in 2016, I joined the admin team to help with membership. And in 2017, we realized we needed a lot more than just a place to talk. We needed to actually make physical change within the veterinary industry. So we started Not One More Vet, Inc. And our first things that we did was actually providing grants to individuals so that they could seek mental health care. Uh, Because we are helpers and helpers don't like to ask for help. And we don't feel like we can take take the time off to go to the doctor and to get the help that we need. So that's where we started. And that's what pushes us forward every day is trying to save one more life, not just our veterinary patients, but our uh, human colleagues as well.
1: Now, it's, it's interesting that you have a, a, not just an outsider's view and, and want to help other people, but you have an insider's view of, of the problems. And I'm sure that's incredibly helpful to help you relate. And, you know, that, that uh, story you told about the surgeon that gave you the what for, I don't think people recognize, and I, I've watched this not just with my colleagues, but, gosh, in the line at the grocery store, at Lowe's, people get impatient. I don't know if they recognize how much damage they can do. To some it, not just their day, but how they how they feel about themselves, and we it's it's we need to be a kinder, more patient world. But
0: yeah, and not everybody's got a thick enough skin for this to like beat up and run off them. Because if you're feeling a little bit vulnerable for other things that are going on, this is just something else that just hammers home and would probably make you doubt your self worth. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the dominoes fall, and Veterinarians have a, an interesting relationship with death because for us, it can be a valid therapeutic option where the suffering of our patients is relieved. And so I think the barrier
1: is lower. And you, well, you can, can you talk about that? Because I think most people see being a veterinarian as having a, a great lifestyle a great life doing good things you get to interact with people it's all good and it's you know all creatures great and small you've got the good life is this more of a problem or is it it, how does this relate to the other professions in the medical world um are, are we unique
2: so yes and no um you know if we just compare to the general public One in six veterinarians has considered suicide sometime in their life. Um, What does that actually relate to, general public wise, is the relative risk of death by suicide for veterinarians and veterinary technicians is higher. So, as a male veterinarian, you're 1.6 times more likely to die by suicide than the average male in the population. Female veterinarians are 2.4 times more likely. Female technicians are 2.3 times more likely, and male technicians are five times more likely to die by suicide than the general public. And the really interesting part with veterinarians is that that if you remove death death by by euthanasia solution, our numbers are the same as the general public.
0: That sort of brings up the question of access, doesn't it?
2: It does. And I mean, we are very big proponents at NAMVI of finding ways to have more than one set of eyes on all of the controlled substances, the euthanasia solutions, the other narcotics or other medications that are potentially able to be used for overdoses, which is how technicians um, generally do fulfill suicide attempts um so I mean, we don't really want to talk about the the specifics yes, but yes. access is a huge part of it yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the the studies around the world show that if you remove access people don't go to just another form to complete suicide so you know when they put up the fencing and the nets on the golden gate bridge the people that attempted via the Golden Gate Bridge didn't just go to another place. They didn't just pick another bridge. It's the the thing that they want to look at that is, the, or that they are thinking about using. Um, if you remove that, most people do not go to another form.
0: The story you um, relayed about how you were spoken to, which is really unforgivable. How widespread is this? What numbers do you have uh, in talking to people and any researchers out there that you could share to shine a light on that?
2: Uh, that one's a little bit harder. There was a study in 2014, I believe it was, that showed one in four veterinarians knew of someone that had been cyber bullied, either themselves or someone else. Um and that's kind of as close as we get for actual numbers right now. Uh, NAMVI does do some research and some of the things that we're looking at is some of the intersectionality of um, events in our lives and different um, things that are important to us, whether it's being female or having a chronic disease or having a um, a marginalized community identity um, or being part of the LGBT community, all of those things play into it and we haven't got all of that data analyzed yet, um, but we do know that cyberbullying and just the the meanness of people some days um, can be that straw on the proverbial camel's back. You know, it's not everything, um, but it certainly is one more layer that sometimes causes the breaking point.
0: And it was a point that bat by- uh, brought up before about the um, almost the glorification of the veterinary profession in people's minds and the media in that you know everybody's a really friendly person they have a ton of animals coming out of every room in their house and it's just this fantastic profession where the sun always shines and things are good but we know it's not like that so what 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 have people told you about how they see themselves in their career that has led them to that point
2: oh well it's a great question <laughs> um you know the general public does see us you know for small animal oh it's puppies and kittens all day long right, right. and you know for equine oh you must be dealing with colts and you know fillies and you know everything is happy or you get to only work with these amazing you know athletes and nothing bad ever happens like there's never a colic you know, nothing bad could happen. Um, And that's what a lot of people think when they go into veterinary medicine. Yeah, we think about, oh, yeah, we'll have to euthanize things, but that's not the biggest issue. Um, You know, we all deal with ethical dilemmas. You know, the people that come in and they want to euthanize for convenience. The people that want to euthanize because they don't want to treat X, Y, Z problem. They just don't want to put the money into it um, into the, the patient and the solution or the diagnostics, or even if they do, then they yell at us for what it costs. And that, uh, those are some of the big things that people come to us with, um, you know, uh, within the forums, I won't give any specifics because, you know, it's a a private place for people to talk. Um, but we, we get people every day, that come in with, hey, this situation happened today and it just is really burdening my soul. You know, I had a great day until, and then the story comes out about the patient that they did everything for, but they still died. Um, the patient that they did everything for, the patient lived, but the owner got upset by something or other and then filed a board complaint. And we're just like, what what is going on here? Um, You know, in 2012, a study was done that 91% of veterinarians polled faced an ethical or moral, moral dilemma every week. And a lot of those, I think it was over 50%, it was every day that we had a moral dilemma that we had to to really fight with and it's not something that we put on the client and we don't put it on the patient but we take it home and it just sits and it burrows into our souls and that's one of the things that we'd really like to change and I believe that we can uh, when we can learn to practice empathy with boundaries that we can show compassion and we can show that empathy but we learn how not to take it home and not to have it burrow into us.
1: Yeah. And I think that's tough for a lot of us to learn how to do, because, you know, if I'm having troubles with a, with a patient, with a client, You know, and I'm having a bad day. You know what? Unfortunately, sometimes my kids had bad days and and I didn't get along with my wife and that stuff, that stuff got carried home with you. And that's, I, I, we do, we take it home. We take it serious. It's, it's what we live for and it's hard to do. I did have one veterinarian that I know of that, that handled it pretty well and, and he wore a necklace. And um, every that's he said that's where he kept all his troubles, all his burdens, all his problems. And symbolically, every day when he'd go home, he'd take that off and hang it on a on a keychain on a on a on a ring in the garage. And that's where it stayed. And I, I thought that was you know that that symbolism to say hey I'm walking in and and my family doesn't have to take this burden too. And I, I think that was a very healthy way to approach it and to look at it.
0: Yes, having time for other outlets, I suppose, is to be stress relieving and something else that's creative. I dig in the garden. You can (laughs) actually solve. You can solve a lot of problems with a shovel, (laughs) 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 because you can just yeah, just sort of get that out there, and you can just you know just work your way through it, and you just go into the house and just leave everything in the garden or leave everything at work. It's difficult. You mentioned cyberbullying before, Um, social media. How can veterinarians cope with that onslaught? I mean, how do do you tell people to say, Hey, you know, it's just social media because it looks so overwhelming when people are getting hounded.
2: Yeah, it it is overwhelming. (laughs) Um, You know, one, I will say that if any veterinarian um, or veterinary clinic is dealing with cyberbullying, that they have an active issue. Uh, one, the AVMA does have a um, a hotline that you can call and you get a certain amount of time free with the, some cyberbullying um, people that can help you with that. Um, but also reach out to NAMPI. We do have a cyberbullying toolkit. Uh, we're also working on developing um, a bigger program, both for uh, being proactive to avoid some of the cyberbullying, as well as what to do when you're starting to have a problem um, with cyberbullying. And because we know this is such a big deal. Uh, so, that is one of our current initiatives. Um, we have some stuff available already, and we're working on a, a more comprehensive um, tool for that. Uh, but the big thing is one to remember that if you respond to someone, you are actually responding to everybody that is looking at that post or at that comment. You're not necessarily responding to the person. Um, so yes, you can say, please call the clinic. We would love to talk to you about this one-on-one. You know, put out there that you're willing to talk about it. Um, you know, we don't want to necessarily put out all of the details uh, because that's illegal in many states. Um, just because someone can put down everything that they want on the internet, we can't always respond that way um, because of confidential information. Uh, So as the general public, please remember if you see something, you are often getting half or even less than half of the story. And if you pile on with everybody else and you become a keyboard warrior, Uh, Please think about being a keyboard warrior for the person that's being attacked or for that clinic that's being attacked instead to say, hey, I have worked with this vet or this clinic for so long and they have been amazing. You know, they're people, too, and they're doing their best. Why don't you reach out to them and talk to them one on one? And, you know, really just recognize that we are people. And we are doing the best we can. We got into veterinary medicine in order to heal. And to bring good to the world. And we need your support to do that. You know, and if you're the clinic, then either, you know, when it starts, close off. Close off reviews for the moment so that you can breathe and to take a moment to plan. Uh, Ideally, have a plan beforehand (laughs) so that it's not just a reactive behavior because our natural human responses are to defend ourselves and it's important to do that but you have to do it smartly and you have to do it with a plan on hand otherwise it can get much worse Um, and having someone to bounce off some of the ideas hey how should i respond to this now that's one of the things that we do within the forums is you know say hey this was the situation this is what the person wrote to us, how should I respond? And most of the time it's, you know, we are so sorry that X, Y, Z happened. You know, we very much care for Fluffy, uh, you know, and we have done everything we can from our end, but we understand that there must be some miscommunication. We'd love to talk to you one-on-one, you know, and if we can't provide the care you need, then we're happy to send your records to someone that can meet your needs. needs. And, you know, really just recognize that the people are also lashing out because of emotions. We just don't have that luxury.
1: Yeah. And I, unfortunately, you know, what the world needs is more kindness. More understanding and more patience, but the unfortunate part is is we're we're trending the other way. We're we're trending to being more critical and and hiding behind the keyboard and saying whatever nasty things people there's there's some real cowardice in in some of the the bullying that goes on that is done in the in the basement on the keyboard and it's um mm-hmm. you know some some of it is like Peter said it's unforgivable you know one of the things that you said was one out of six veterinarians have seriously contemplated suicide but what that, but what I also heard is if, if you've had those, those thoughts or um, th- that deep depression, um, that means that five out of six of your colleagues can't relate with you. What, what outlets, what, um, what resources do people have if they find themselves in a dangerous spot?
2: So not one more vet. <laughs> Our Facebook group or not one more vet support staff. Uh, we also have not one more vet student Um, for veterinary students, because they're just starting to get into all of this as well. Um, You know, we're here for you. Our goal is to be there. And if you don't want your colleagues to know it's you, we have ways for you to share your story anonymously, so you can get the support without the stigma. Um, So that's, that's a big one. Uh, I am... A hundred thousand percent on board for everyone, not just veterinary professionals, but everyone to have a therapist. Uh, You know, we all have things that we're going through and they're not all suicide ideation and depression and anxiety, but we all have something. And therapists help us to understand what we're feeling so that we can address those feelings and to grow from them and with them. So, I mean, I would not have been able to get through this pandemic without my therapist, Christy. She's amazing. I love her. Um, You know, my first session with her was actually canceled because of COVID. Mm. Um, So I have never met her in person. It has all been virtual, Um, but she's amazing and has helped me really address a lot of the anger. And the sadness and the depression and the anxiety that I have had over the last 18, 19 months, where it just feels like no one is doing anything to make anything better. And everyone is just fighting. (laughs) It just, it's been hard. Um, So, finding a therapist is one thing. Um, Having a support system. You know, you can't just be at work all day long and then not have anything when you get home. It's not healthy. Um, and so working 20 hours a day all year round, and it's one thing if it's falling season, it's another if it's, you know, not falling season. <laughs> you know, you have to make sure that you have something outside of work and even outside of family. You know, you, you can't always rely on the same people to help you because it's
1: just as exhausting for them. Yeah, thank you. I think those are good. That's good advice. And I think one of the, you know, we talked about the the, the downside of where the world's trending. I think one of the positive things that's happened in, in my lifetime is we recognize mental illness as a real thing and not something you just suck it up and, and make it through. Um, so I think that's positive that we've, wow. we've been able to talk about things and people are more open about it. And it doesn't have the same stigma that it did associated with it 20 years ago or even 10 years ago.
2: I mean, really interesting is that um, during the pandemic, the suicide rate, especially in white Americans, has decreased. Uh, And I think a lot of that is because people are reaching out and are talking to each other and they're making a point of having connections uh, when in the past no one would have noticed because we were so busy doing all the things Um, We were too busy being human doings, not human beings. And, you know, that's been good. Unfortunately, that doesn't cross over all of the ethnic um, boundaries in the country. Um, You know, as a Black American, you're still at the same high rate of suicide risk as you were before. Um, And that's something that we do need to be aware of. Um, Our... Members of our world that are not white, are not straight, are not, you know, our are, are normal average person that, you know, a white American thinks of, if you're outside of the norm, um, you're still at high risk. And so we really need to be present for other people, not just those that look and sound like us. Well,
1: you know, one of the th- interesting things I found when I was researching suicide rates among teens anyway um and, and I think this ties into what you brought about the social networking is the, the rural states, the states with lowest pot density of population have the highest rates of teen suicide, which just absolutely floored me. So it's, it's you know, the Wyoming's, Utah's, Idaho, those, those, densely, or those less densely populated states were, were much higher than, say, New York. So I, I can only guess that that has to do with your social interaction and how important that that is.
2: A lot of that is the social interactions, what interactions you have. Um, The smaller the population, also the less inclusive uh, the population may be.
1: Okay. Uh,
2: So if you are different in any way, uh, you're ostracized more readily. And that puts you even farther away. So then all you have is social media because you don't have someone face-to-face and then once you do the social media, then you run into all the risks with the keyboard warriors yeah, right. um, and the risk factors there. Um, there's also significantly lower rates of uh, uh, ability to seek mental health care, um, as well as just other social services. Uh, the social services available in rural communities are significantly smaller Um, So if you are a victim of assault, if you are um, an LGBTQ individual, if you are, you know, just pick a thing, um, you have less opportunity to have someone there to be able to support you. Um, Even if you are looking at um, abuse and so forth, that is illegal you're often not believed if that other person is a upstanding citizen in the community. Um, you know, if you're different, you're not going to be listened to the same way. And that's, uh, that causes long-term damage to a lot of people.
1: No, those are, those are really good points. I'm glad you brought those out. So you talked a lot about what, what, uh, you can do for us, and what you can do for the veterans. How can we help you?
2: Uh, so many things so many things um you know as far as not one more vet goes uh financially we can always use more assistance uh www.nomb.org is our website uh and then we're not one more vet inc on facebook um donations help us do a lot of work one of our major programs is our grants program that helps individuals in uh in crisis So, so far this year, we have given out almost $150,000 to individuals in need and over and $50,000 to clinics that have experienced natural disasters. Um, so that is one way that we help people, but that's one of the things you're helping us do by providing donations. Uh, We also have an advocates program, Anambi Advocates, where you take time, you sign up and you say, you know what, I'm going to take a moment to let the clinics in my area know how much we appreciate them. So earlier this year, I had the amazing opportunity to go around to all of the emergency clinics um, in southeastern Wisconsin, and I dropped off thank you cards, some cheese and crackers, and either a fruit tray or a vegetable tray Um, just to say, hey, I see you, I hear you, we care about you. And I cannot tell you how many veterinarians have a box of cards that people have sent that say thank you because we keep those box of cards so those bad days, when they happen, we can pull those cards out and see that someone cares about us. And most of the time, we don't feel like anyone cares about us. We feel like we're doing all of the things and all we're hearing is negativity. Um, So that kindness that you were mentioning before, we need that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so call your veterinary clinic and say, "Hey, I'm not calling because I have an emergency. I'm calling to because I care about you, and I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate you." Um, even better, because our phones are all ringing off the hook right now. Send a letter. Send a card. Send a fruit basket. Send something. <laughs> you know. Um, or just be there and be present. And when someone is going off on a clinic and we have the keyboard warriors coming out and cyberbullying, stand up for us and say, Hey, this clinic is great. You know, these doctors are amazing. These technicians are amazing. And you know, I know they'll listen to you if you just talk to them. Um and just be kind. And whether it's to us or to everybody else, because if you're mean to your cashier at the store and then the cashier has to come into the vet clinic, they might take that out on us. So just be nice to everyone, not just us.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. It's it's been a great conversation. Um, really appreciate the work that you're doing. It's 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 very valuable and it's, it's incredibly important and um, you're having an impact and it's 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 very appreciated among us in, in the industry. So it's it's a it's a great thing that you're doing.
0: Yeah, and I think your your words to the general public there um, are pretty impactful because I don't think everybody realises that sometimes veterinarians feel like they're on a bit of an island, and we look out and, we, and you just sort of see empty sea and more work, and. Um, I think those are really good words just to say, hey, you know, have you hugged your veterinarian today <laughs> type of thing is that, you know, just, just uh, say, you know, you, you're there sort of pouring yourself out for their animal. How's about you pour a little bit of yourself out for them? And, um, yeah, everybody just needs to be nicer to each other. So one thing that the world's really short of right now is um, thinking about the other person. Yeah. Right, right. I
2: will say that with that idea of hugging your veterinarian, not yet. There's still COVID. Yeah, it's still COVID. Yeah, it's still COVID. Uh, we're, uh, talking we're talking figuratively. figuratively. <laughs> said, yeah. I just, I have hugged the second person outside of my family um, two days ago uh, because I diagnosed her dog with a, a very difficult disease. We ended up euthanizing yesterday. But I said, can I, do you need a hug? I am a hugger by nature. And so this has been so traumatic to not have hugs. Um, so I've hugged two people, both of which were um, because of bad news. I've given a lot more bad news than that. Um, and I've had to euthanize a lot more animals than that. Uh, but hugs, I love them, but we're not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I will rephrase, hug your veterinarian virtually <laughs> yes. and figuratively. Figuratively. Yeah. There we go. That's great. Well, again, we thank you for your time. Uh, this has been wonderful. Um, I hope that everybody that listens to this takes away the message that, um, you know, veterinarians are on the side of the animal and we need all the help we can get. So be on the side of your veterinarian. As Bart says, you're doing great work and, um, you know, we look forward to supporting you and your mission for the years to come. So that was Stallside. Uh, we've been talking to Dr. Melanie Goble from Not One More Vet. Have a good day. See you next time.